DJ, PK, and Dale Murphy joins us once again, former National League MVP for the Atlanta Braves. Dale, good morning. Welcome back to the show. How you doing, guys? Good to, good. Good to talk to you. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, we're seeing baseball slowly uh, build up here and try to plan you know, how they're going to come back. And there's an argument over money, which... I'm sure it doesn't surprise you. There have been a few arguments over money that have shaped baseball history. But aside from the money thing having to be ironed out, I'm curious as someone who played baseball and you've heard all the news of the last couple months, you know, what's more dangerous, what's less dangerous, what do you have to worry about? In your mind, aside from the money, what's the biggest hurdle to getting baseball back? Well, just... (laughs) That's a that's a great question. What it's just the nature of this uh, the the virus. How the, I've seen some of the ideas and it's um, the, the just the, the how how are you going to protect everybody and uh, you know what's going to happen uh, if someone does get sick? They they do have plans. I mean, but it's it, there's just so many uh, logistical uh, issues. And all the states, all the cities, got to be you know good with it as well. I I haven't you know I've heard Florida and Arizona are fine, but you know I haven't heard about other states. But uh, you know um, I think uh, as a player, I you know I like what I hear so far. I would I don't know what I would do if I missed a whole year of competitive baseball. Um, I know it used to be done with guys like Ted Williams, who you know, who were in the service, and you missed a few years. Um, it's just remarkable, remarkable to me that that he was able to do that, and others as well. But for me, if I missed a year in in the middle of and not competitive baseball, I I would be thinking about what I was going to do this winter, try to go play somewhere or something. Uh, but I think just the logistics of, of everybody safe and and uh you know it, it's just the, the nature of this thing is is so strange you know you could as everybody knows you could not have symptoms you know and uh and have it, it it's just the most unusual thing uh and it affects people different ways and and it, it's uh, so contagious that that's the problem as well i i don't know how if one person gets gets it in Major League Baseball, there's going to be a little, uh, you know, breakout. It seems like it's just so contagious. What do you think of the possibilities of having a universal DH and then combining and don't have the traditional American National Leagues and going by regions? Well, as far as those kinds of ideas are concerned, I'm up, I'm up for all of it. I, as a player, I, I wouldn't care what what they did i just would want to get out there and play i don't care if anybody's in the stands i just i just would want to play if it's a dh in the national league which i think is going to happen eventually anyway and the different i i wouldn't care i and as far as a fan as well i'll I'll, whatever they put out there because it makes it'll be kind of interesting shortened season will make games uh that much more important or urgent uh so uh yeah i'm I'm up for all of that uh you know they've got expanded rosters and everything every they've looked like they've thought of everything um you know i I'd be fine with anything i i I wouldn't care um 
you know, you know, some of these things. Personally, I'm in favor of realignment anyway, huge realignment, and uh, kind of like they were talking in the original thing, just geographical divisions. And I, I think that'd be great for baseball anyway. I think they should do that sooner rather than later. You know, without the issues we got going on right now. So. I get a lot of the wisdom of it, and I know a lot of it. This will shock you. It's done because of money, and it's done because of TV. And, you know, when the Dodgers are playing on the East Coast, that means a 4.30 start in L.A., and who's in front of their TV, right? Everybody's going to be stuck on the freeway for the next two hours. So I, I get why they want games, you know, when the Dodgers are on the road, they want the game to start at 7 or 7.30. So I get all that. But I wonder from a player's perspective – when you fly a lot less miles, will that have an impact on the quality of game over the time, or will we not see it because it'll impact everybody and it won't make a difference? But would it, would it make a difference in how you felt? Uh, it's it's a good question, and there's there's yeah. Well, I I think you know less travel, definitely. I think you know I I, I think they should realign anyway, just because travel reasons i think you'll see uh, you know a, a probably better quality of play uh in in this situation here um yeah i think it's it, it'd really be advantageous uh you know not to travel that much um you know it's it, what's what's going to be interesting though did you guys happen to watch the the golf match yesterday i mean it, it was kind of interesting to me i i didn't see a lot of comment on it but I didn't think they played that well, <laughs> I, the, the, the little that I watched. And so my point is, I, I think it's really going to be interesting when and if we get baseball back. It, you know, what what are we going to see out there? Are guys really going to be ready? I mean, you know, uh, ready to go. Is, is it going to be a little off? Uh, I, personally, I think it's going to be a little, just a little off. They've missed so much time. You know, it's just... And it's going to go longer than this. I missed 56 games with a strike in, uh, you know, in '81, and you know we just kind of picked up where we left off and 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 got going. This is this is just so unusual. It's really hard to predict. So I'm a little worried, generally speaking, about the quality of play right at the beginning. What what are we going to see? So Tampa Bay pitcher Blake Snell comes out, and I don't know if you saw it. I'll just read you a little snippet. i got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? That's just the way it is for me. I mean, I get his point as far as the risks, but how does the public perceive that? Well, I don't it, – it's – it's. <laughs> you just see it time and time again with athletes. Uh, I, I don't – you know – if you feel that way, fine. Just go to your player rep. Go to the the head of the the association. Um, you know, just, just you you cannot players the work stoppages, which is the only thing I can compare this to, is uh, is uh, um, you're never going to win the PR battle. People will be upset at that remark. If that's the way you feel, that's fine. But any kind of public comment like that just just will never ever go over really well, and uh, uh, you know it's it, it's fine. It, you know, you people want to get paid. That's fine, but th- it doesn't help the situation at all um, because number one, you're not going to win the PR battle as a player anyway. You know, like I said, I've been through strikes before, and people don't want to hear it. They don't care about that, and especially in a situation like this, I, I just don't understand what he was. 
you know, some he, he just didn't understand how it would be perceived. You know, fine if you feel that way, but publicly coming out in a situation like this, where I don't know how much money he's already made in his career, um, but people aren't going to have a lot of sympathy for him and understand it. Uh, uh, but I understand getting paid for your services. That's the way, you know, we work here. But these things are never, ever uh, work stoppages. Like I said, is the only thing I can compare it to. They, they never work out arguing your your position in public. It just will not be accepted, uh, uh, you know, by the general public. And you know, it it doesn't help situations. So you don't you don't need to say things like that publicly. You know, just it, it, those things are just always best. You know, if you want to be, in fact, go to the meetings. Uh, you know that. Well, it's a little hard right now, but that's what we're always told. You go to the meetings and say what you want to say. You know, any player can go to any meetings, any negotiation situation. They're always welcome. You know, and and voice your opinion as strongly as you want. There must be a Zoom meeting he can go to. I get your point about getting on a plane right now. That's probably nobody's first choice. Yeah. But he, you could definitely yeah, right. zoom, I, zoom. Everything's different now. But I'm just saying. When we had work stoppages, they always said every player can go to any meeting. There's no confidential meeting. It's weird now. This is this is a really strange time. And, and the other thing is social media with your comments. I'm not saying back in the day guys didn't have strong opinions about, you know, uh, free agency or salary caps or anything like that. It's just it didn't get the publicity things get now. So I'm curious. I'm I assume that – batters, if you're hitting, you're going to get back in the groove quicker than a pitcher is going to build up his arm. I am assuming we're going to see managers have to use a lot of pitchers. They're not going to be able to ride the best guys for as many innings, which means we ought to see more scoring. And somebody, a modern-day version of yourself, ought to be licking his chops right now. Am I, am I right or am I off base on that? <laughs> well, personally, it took me, you know, it took me a little, that's, it took me a little while to get going and to get my timing. I mean, there were other hit. There's most most guys, and I think these young players today have really played so much baseball that uh, I, I don't think it'll. I, I agree with your point that these guys will probably be ready to go. The hitters will be ready to go. Pitchers probably be a little behind in normal situations. Spring training, you know, it takes a little bit uh, for hitters to catch up. But um, I, I think. To the the bigger point of the quality of the game, it, it's it, it's it's going to be really interesting to watch, and uh, that's what I'll be watching is you know how, how are the guys because the longer we go on, everybody's going to get a little messed up, and that's what I think eventually they're going to you know they're talking about maybe you know playing sixty games at the end of the year at the end of the season. I'm I'm still in favor of it, but I I think um, we're just we're just going to. I'm really curious is the quality of the play. It's just is baseball is not a game where you can take this kind of time off. I know they're going to allow a little, uh, little uh, quote unquote spring training before you get ready, but it just it doesn't work like that, you know. And I think it does compare to golf. Um, I, I'm, those guys were playing well yesterday, but they seemed a little off and didn't have caddies, and you know, it, it just it was, it seemed like a little bit. It was a little off, and I, I wonder if when baseball starts, is it just going to be, you know, a little different? Which I think it will be. But again, as a fan, I'm up for anything. 
Me too. That's for sure, Dale. I agree with you 100% there. I'm just starving for it, and it's just weird not to have it. I better be able to watch uh, baseball on July 4th, or I'm, I'm just going to pull my hair out because every July 4th, man, I'm eating hot dogs, I'm watching baseball, and I'm watching fireworks. And if we don't have that, it's going to be freaking crazy to me. I just can't stand it, the thought, the thought of that happening. I wanted to ask you something. Mm. I saw something on social media. I don't know. I think you were with, you're with a couple other players, or former players, and you're talking about – uh, the game and how the game used to be, you know, speed was such a big uh, aspect of the game. And you were talking about if speed was emphasized today, that Acuna Jr., the budding star for the Braves, would be like a 40-80 guy or something along those lines. And, you know, now we know it's about launch angle. Bellinger, uh, he and I, we both played, Bellinger and I both played high school baseball and we combined to hit one home run in our high school uh, senior year, and I had zero. So let's you let you know how many Bellinger had. And now he's hitting all these home runs. Do you think that this this way of which we're here, the way the game is being played now, is here to stay? Are we going to go through another revolution, or maybe go back to the way it was? What do you foresee for the game going forward? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Uh, speed was emphasized a little bit more in the 80s and, and early 90s, I think, uh, for a number of a couple of reasons, main reasons. If we had a lot more astroturf, we had fields. Uh, someone once said, and I, I agree with this, they didn't like astroturf, but they liked the game it created. And what that creates is unique speed. You've got to cover the ground. You've got to cover a, a lot of space in the outfield. And if the ball goes into the gap, you, you gotta, someone's got to get it quicker. Uh, and it, 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 the, the ballparks were a little bigger. And so you had an astroturf field with, with a bigger ballpark. It doesn't pay to have a bunch of home run hitters. And so it created a faster team. Uh, the other thing, um, and, and analytics, uh, they looked at the stolen base and, and the analytics said, say that it doesn't statistically work out to take the gamble. And so it, they just shut it down. And then launch angle did create guys trying to hit more home runs. So the, the game's different. Your question is whether it's going to go back. I don't think it's sustainable to strike out at, at this rate. Um, we don't see teams winning a World Series that every guy strikes out 100 times. You know what I'm saying? I'm, not every guy, but yeah. if you lead the league in strikeouts um, – the, the teams that make more contact are still winning, you know. And so uh, you get a guy on third base in, in, in the playoffs and everybody says, well, yeah, ground ball would be good right here to score the run. Well, they haven't done that all year. You know, they've been going for the home run, and now runs are at a premium. And so I, to, to your question, are we going to see a revolution? Maybe not a revolution, but – they just can't put up with every guy striking out so much. That's the other thing that, that the home run and launch angle has created that has not been good for the game. There's no question about it. hasn't been good. So how would you be, and maybe if you're a young player trying to make it, you'd be, you'd be okay with it, but someone walks up to you and, you know, they look too much like me or PK and they don't look like they've ever played sports at a high level, and they tell you you have to do this and this and this and you have to stop doing that, that, and that. It seems like when the bean counter accountant uh, stat geek tells you that, it would make some guys' heads explode. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
you cut out a little bit there, uh, uh, DJ. When when they say which which so when, dad when, now? When when any of the analytics guys who maybe clearly never played the game come up oh, to oh, an athlete yeah. and tell you you have to do this and stop doing that. I don't know how much of that you had to hear in your career, but I'm just thinking it would make some guys' heads explode. Well, to answer your question, never. <laughs> no one ever said, hey, look at these analytics. I mean, first of all, it's obvious. We didn't, we didn't have it. But there was kind of a – I'm not saying we were totally right, but the game we were playing was different, which I think is better. I think it was more entertaining because you have – there's more things going on. Um, the bunt, the sacrifice bunt. Yeah, statistically, they're, they're right, and it doesn't always work out statistically, but never. And the same thing with a stolen base or a hit and run. Yeah, statistically, you don't want to do it too much, but never. And, and it just creates, you know, a different game. Personally, it, yeah, that would be very frustrating because, uh, uh, again, uh, there, there's things that, that happen on the field that, that analytics just don't, you know, you need a guy to make contact. But what statistically what it says is contact is not that valuable. You know, we'd rather have you strike out. I mean, it's just so strange, you know, because they're saying you'll hit into too many double plays or you need to see more pitches because you've got to tire this guy out. And so some of it is just uh, – um, I, th- I think one thing that's interesting, I can't remember which club, but they, they hired a, um, I can't remember what his title was. Uh, it was a coach to better, uh, uh, it's like a liaison between the coaching staff and the analytics guys. Because a lot of the coaches don't quite understand what all the analytics say. So there's an- another coach, one team has got a guy to to uh, be a liaison between everybody, so they all are talking on the same page. I'm not saying some analy- analytics aren't aren't useful, um, but they're not all useful. I think is is what I'm saying is it's just it it just doesn't work that way. Sometimes uh, making contact, especially at the end of the season, is is better than striking out. Uh, you know, you get a guy on third, you want to hit a weak ground ball to second base so you can get that run in because runs are at a premium in the playoffs in the World Series. During the season, they're not at a premium. And that's what, if I was an analytics guy, I would analyze the playoffs in the World Series as opposed to what happens for the course of a year. You just get accumulation. But what happens in the playoffs in the World Series is you get a better pitching staff where contact, you're facing a better pitching staff, where contact becomes critical. And uh, I know a team that was playing the Yankees a couple years ago, and the scouting report on the team was, hey, if you get in trouble, get a guy on base or you get a guy on second, don't, you know, don't pitch to this lineup because eventually someone's going to strike out. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, everybody's, everybody in the lineup strikes out 80 to 100 times the the accumulation of statistics during the course of the regular season, I just don't think translates to the playoffs and World Series. 
Dale, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little baseball, and hopefully it'll restart soon. PK needs it by the 4th of July. I'm a little more flexible, but still sooner rather than later. <laughs> well, I'm flexible too, but, but uh, you know, we're in a really weird time. We got to just, you know, you guys stay safe, stay, you know, families hang in there. This is a real challenging time, but I think psychologically, even watching, like I said, the golf match yesterday, live sports is, is always a, a good diversion for the challenges of life. And hopefully we get it back, like you say, sooner rather than later. But I'm good with later, too, as long as we get it back. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, guys. PK, that's interesting. I don't think I've heard anybody else say that. A different set of analytics for the postseason off the top of my head. It makes sense. Somebody must have thought of that, right? That must be going on out there somewhere in Major League Baseball. Well, actually, when you think about it in any sport, the postseason is so much more intense and everything is so highlighted, every little thing, no matter what it is, what sport, every possession in basketball becomes of the utmost importance rather than, you know, you just, all right, slough it off. You just have to have the ultimate concentration. So when you think about it across the board, it makes sense to have a different form of analytics that you use during the regular season because players that you play, particularly in baseball, you know, pitchers, and they never sniff the you, – you've seen – actually in baseball you've seen gr- very good pitchers who are left off postseason rosters because it just doesn't work, you know, and they're not ready to go or to the level that they need and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it completely and totally makes sense. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Surga Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, PK, I know you remember, I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, because time is messing with my brain, but... uh, we heard uh, we heard from the governor of Oregon that Oregon, you know, wasn't going to have fans for the Ohio State game, and you know that was still three months away. Even the commissioner Larry Scott was like, "Wow, that's pretty far out." Well, now somebody in college football is making definitive statements about November. We'll tell you about that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. George Niang, kind enough to join us. It sounds like you want to get back out there. You want to play and, and finish the season. For sure. You know, I feel like America needs sports, you yeah. know. America needs entertainment just for their mental well-being. And if, you know, the NBA could lead that resurgency, that would mean a lot. You know, I think the game has a huge impact. If we can continue to impact the world positively, you know, with, you know, stressing the fact that, you know, be healthy, protect yourself, uh, wash your hands, take care of others, and still be able to play, I think we should get out there and do it. Uh, but if it's my gut feeling and I had a gun to my head, I would say that, you know, we're going to finish the season and that's going to happen. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK. I'm not this good yes. at seeing the future, you know, because I'm the guy who picked the Dallas Mavericks to lose in four straight playoff series before they won the title. <laughs> so I don't know how people are doing this. Now, it was one thing when it was a blue state, right? Because it's an election year and you just can't get away from that. So in a blue state, is it? But now it's a red state doing it. South Carolina. Brett McMurphy tweeted this out, right? And Brett McMurphy 
Great sources. Follows college football really close. South Carolina announced it will cancel fall break and halt in-person classes for fall semester on November 24th in an attempt to guard against a COVID-19 spike. USC, I hate it when they call South Carolina USC. You're not USC. You're South Carolina. It's Twitter. He needs the brevity. Uh, South Carolina's regular season ends November 28 at Clemson. Now, it's not on their campus, so I suppose that's something. I, I have no idea how you could November 10, November 24, December 10. I, I don't get how you can br- predict stuff now for then. Now, maybe there's just people who are way smarter than me and they can. But that seems impossible to me. I don't understand it, yeah. But, I mean, there's so little that I understand that it's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know when you say a red and a blue state, I don't Mm -hmm. even know what that means. I don't know which color is assigned to which political party, which tells you how political I am and how much I think it's a bunch of crap anyway. But I couldn't tell you. what, what If you're red state, what does that mean? Red state's Republican, blue state's Democrat, and I'm with you. It took me more than a decade to memorize that. And it's two little things. I should have been able to do it more quickly, but, man, I struggled. So red is Republican is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's sort of ironic because here red is so outrageously liberal. Anything goes. And blue is the more conservative, but yet it's absolutely reversed. In the rest of the world, well, red and the blue, you follow me? I get that it's backwards, but if the teams change colors now, my head will explode. So I would advise them not to do that, which is good because I don't oh, think— Oh, that's that, not going I, to happen. Yeah, I don't think they're on the verge of doing it anyway, so. <laughs> no, so South Carolina is not going to play Clemson? Is that what we're saying? Well, no, but that's what we're hinting at here. <laughs> South Carolina is going to cancel fall break and halt in-person classes. If you shut your whole campus down, then how would the game happen? But the thing is, the game's not on their campus. It's at Clemson, but it's still, uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an SEC school, and no one's been more aggressive than the SEC, right, in planning to reopen and, and get games going. I, I do think that of all the things that we should expect, uh, we should not be surprised if – Uh, Early on, we were told, you know, there could be a spring season. They could hold football for the spring, right? It seems to me the more likely thing with different regions and different cities and states having outbreaks at different times, that it's just going to take longer to play the season. And that started on time, and the weather's better, and that's supposed to be an advantage. But if it takes longer to play, and if it takes 14 or 16 or 18 or 20 weeks to finish the season, so what? Get the 12 games in, because as we said about a million times, you know, they really need the revenue from the games. And so if some games have to be postponed and rescheduled, okay, but just float the end of the season out there. Oh, I think that's what will happen. Yeah, they're going to get at least double-digit games. Uh, the the end of the season uh, doesn't necessarily have a clear, concise meaning right now. It is a floating time period, time yeah. frame. And so they don't know. Uh, I don't no, no, nobody really knows anything here. We're, we're, we're sort of going along as we go, and we're moving in that direction. I feel a great sense of encouragement that we're moving in the direction of restoring what it's not, actually none of that stuff has been lost from the football perspective because they don't play football right now. So that would be very interesting to see, but we don't have to worry about that right now. We can go forward and then make the 
adjustments as necessary, but it's going to be back. And no, no one's missing an entire season. I, I, I just don't see it. Not, not to that level. Too much cash, man. We need it. I mean, you're talking about some little golf match thing here that was played. And, like, uh, I, I appreciate what Niang said on with uh, Scott and Hans as far as it, it, we need it. We need it more than ever now. Yeah, absolutely we need it. It's it's a form of entertainment. It, You know, I never really bought that. Well, when you're in that moment, you forget all your troubles. Uh, not, not really. The troubles, I mean, I'm not constantly harping on my troubles every second of every day. I mean, I can listen to a tune that I enjoy, and I can forget about that. So I suppose it's a reality, but I never really worried about that. I don't participate in viewing sports or playing golf or what have you to forget about my troubles because my troubles are going to return. There's no, nothing is going to be solved while I'm watching a basketball game, but I'm fine with that. I want to watch the basketball game because I want to watch great players do their thing. Uh, Brett McMurphy has another tweet uh, <laughs> that I missed from late last week. Uh, West Virginia President Gordon G., who, isn't he a Vernal yeah. guy? Vernal He's native. He's from Vernal, Utah, right? And uh, yeah. he's now the president of West Virginia. He's been at several different schools. And he's 74 he, years old, I think. 76, it says in this. Uh, here's his quote. Okay. We're, we're going to play college football in the fall based on what is in the play college football in the falls in parentheses. So must have, you know, part of a longer conversation. But he says, we're going to play college football in the fall based on what is safe, what is healthy for our fans and our student athletes. But I do believe that we will play football. The 76-year-old added, even if I have to suit up. 76-year-old out there playing. Hey, if Britton Covey can do it, why couldn't uh, President G or D or however you say his name? Right? Oh, man. Britton Covey saying that there's (laughs) Taysom Hill comparisons because he's so old. He's had a red shirt. He's had a mission. He's still just a junior. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. He He is getting up there in that way, but he's such a fun kid to see. And obviously he's small, so you tend to root for him because he's different. I thought Taysom Hill had one of the better underappreciated lines. Going into his first start of his, uh, what was it, the senior year when they played Arizona down at the Cardinal Stadium, it was Kalani's first game, right? And they won that thing. A, a kid who was like 14, well, O'Roy kicked the game-winning field goal. <laughs> Yeah, I was underneath the goal post down there at the time, and it was so fun. It was exciting for those guys. And leading up to that, I think Taysom was going to be turning 26 maybe uh, later on that month. And so he gets up there in the podium, and obviously it came down to the last second. And he said, oh, man, so much this past week or these past couple of weeks has been made about my age. These types of games, man. I can't take it that much longer because I'm getting old. This is hard on my heart, something like that. <laughs> and it was just, I just busted out laughing, man. And I didn't think it got the run that it deserved. It was a funny line about Taysom being an old man in college football. And he was saying he can't take it anymore. I thought it was hysterical. I love that type of stuff when guys can step out of the game mode and have fun with it. Because that for me... That's all it is. I'm not worried about. Well, I'm gonna forget about my troubles. You know, I can eat. Uh, I can eat a slice of pizza and forget about my troubles. I mean, 
my troubles are my troubles. They're going to be there. They're always there. And some of them sometimes get to you, and other times you slack it off and you don't worry about it as much. But I think that's who we are. So I don't need sports to forget about that. I want sports back because it just adds to my life. It doesn't make me forget about stuff. It adds to my pleasure, to my enjoyment. Some people want to go to an art show, and that's what they think, uh, whatever it might be. That's what I view sports. It's my most frequent and most pleasurable form of entertainment. That's why I want it back. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, it, it's a seasonal thing, too, man. I am jonesing for NBA playoffs. Saturday night, I didn't watch a thing. I didn't turn on the television because I thought, I want NBA playoffs tonight. This is supposed to be when it's light and it's 7.30 at night and it's still light. My whole body clock, everything about me in May says Saturday night at 7 o'clock when it's light out, I got the door open or at least the screen door open. I'm watching NBA basketball because we would really be into, we'd be approaching the conference finals now. And you're having great teams with great storylines. And I miss it badly. Absolutely. Do I need it in my life? No, I don't. Do I want it in my life? Absolutely, I want it in my life. It's not a question of whether I need it and this puts sports in perspective. I already have it in perspective. I don't need a catastrophe to put something in perspective for me. But it is a form of enjoyment, and I miss it badly. I want that right now. I want to be able to watch NBA playoffs. And then when there's not a little bit of a downtime, you flick on a baseball game because they're doing their thing and they're just starting to ramp up. And once we can get past Mother's Day, you start to see how, okay, is this team going to be better than we thought? Is this team going to be worse than we thought? Because they've played a number of games now because we've been into the season probably five, six weeks, and patterns start to form, right? And then you're at this point now, you're going to have your first uh, bench clearing, uh, I don't want to say brawl, but stand around and push and shove. And we all love that, man. Every time that happens, you watch it, right? And now you can watch it instantly because it's going to be on some form of social media. To me, that's all fun. And any Anything that I'm missing as far as fun, absolutely I want it back. Hey, we got a lot of jazz fans still reacting to the last episode of The Last Dance, and we'll get you their thoughts on what they saw in episodes 9 and 10 with the jazz figuring prominently in the 97 and 98 finals. Uh, some pretty good comedy here, actually. And and one guy makes a point I made on TV. I don't know if he was watching last night or not, but I just absolutely, absolutely true. We will get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. A perfect game.
16 years ago today, there it is. Randy Johnson gets the perfect game. 17th in Major League Baseball history. Know that today at 4.50 and you can win prizes on the big show. Yeah, you know what was awesome? Even more, obviously a perfect game stands by itself in terms of being awesome. Do you realize, though, he was 40 years old? I was going to add that. Yeah, 40 years old and he does it. How about that? What is the outer limit for athletic achievement? How far can you push this? Obviously, we got Brady trying to get to 45. We'll see what he's like at 43. I think for me, my best was I was 12 years old. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. You peaked. Mm-hmm. Puberty yeah. came along, and you were no longer the top dog. Yeah, I don't know about you, dude, but I was shaving at 12. But uh. <laughs> I'll guarantee you I was not shaving at 12. <laughs> a lot of things had already been checked off my list by age 12. I'll just leave it at that. Yikes. <laughs> it's the East. We developed quicker back there. If you'd moved to Arizona earlier, it would have changed everything. And I don't know if that's how science and biology work, but if you say so. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know about that. But but let's just let's just ask DJ. When you how old were you when you had your first kiss? Uh, Forty one. Forty one. Forty year old virgin. That joke for you there, Yak. It got a big reaction out of Yak, so that was good. All right, we've got uh, we got a lot of people here uh, weighing in on the last episodes of the Last Dance. The Jazz figuring prominently with the '97 and '98 finals. Um, Jeffrey says Jordan went out of his way to talk to Malone and Stockton at Chicago's practice facility the year he was retired. I thought that was pretty cool as well. Uh, you know, the, this, the '90s is kind of the change, isn't it, PK? Where with the Dream Team in 92, obviously they got to know each other, right? Maybe they knew each other on some level before that. But certainly with the Olympics, you're going to have a month, six weeks, whatever it is together, depending on how much they were together in the lead-up to the Games. And it's where guys start to become friends and start to have these off-court relationships. The highlights we've seen in the 80s when guys legitimately just loathed each other. Just hated the sight of each other, and partly because of the bad boy style. You know, they had the, the, the Bulls and the Celtics and the Lakers, and they had multiple playoff series with all those teams. And, and, the, and, and they were, you know, basically the Pistons were beating up on everybody. So it was easier to get all sorts of fired up. But once you get the Olympics and guys start hanging out together and becoming friends, you know, and we've heard that that's where LeBron put the heat together with he and D-Wade D during the Olympics, planning all that out. Uh, the Olympics were great for the sport. They made it grow very quickly globally, but it definitely changed relationships with players. I thought we saw that in the behind-the-scenes stuff with the last dance. Jordan leaving a press conference and shaking hands with a guy. Carl going and getting on the bus and saying something to Jordan after the 98 uh, Game 6. Uh, it's clear relationships formed, and that changed stuff. Well, I think that was going to be the natural evolution. I don't think that we needed the dream team to have that happen. That maybe hastened it among a few people. But way back when, there was no form of free agency, and guys weren't able to move as freely about as they are now. And I think that it's just a matter of if you ever wanted to – racism is never going to be eliminated, that's for sure. But if you ever wanted to make it better, get people together – and then you end up look. You end up li- either you like the person, or you don't. It's not going to be based on 
what the color of their skin is or what ethnicity or religion or any of that stuff. So you get people together, and then they're going to end up finding out more about particular people, and then they're going to end up probably liking them to a good degree to where you're going to have a form of concern about that person. You know, how's your family? I forget Jordan. I think it was Reggie Miller in one of the deals. They said, hey, you know, how's your family? You know, that type of thing. Because you, the more you interact with people, I think that on a personal level, the more you're probably going to like them to one degree or another. And I think that through the player movement that we have and guys changing teams and whatnot you end up liking these guys and so you know you look at joe ingles and some of his player uh, ex-teammates you know he's he's just i don't i don't see him getting in a any any form of a brawl with a jay crowder because he says he has jay's jersey or something and beginning like he liked him because he was with him well jay has moved on to a couple of different teams and so then that's going to say well what about that dude and jay would say oh no he's a good guy i've been around him that type of thing you know like carlos boozer oh utah you're in utah no no it's not a bad place because he was here and he experienced it, and he saw it, and he lived it. So then he goes to Miami to those radio hosts, and we played that many times over years ago, where he says, no, no, it's not that bad. So I think you have exposure to people, and you end up liking them. And the Dream Team, sure, that was a concentrated time, but I think it's something that is developing, and it didn't develop back then because guys weren't changing teams and so forth. Yeah, and the Pistons are the, the the big example. I understand that, but most folks aren't doing that type of style of play anyway. And it was going to be eliminated. Either it was going to grow out of style and become stale, or the league was going to put a stop to it one way or the other. Because you got to respect what Stern was able to do when he saw something that needed to be improved. Usually, he went about and improved it. So yeah, I get that. These guys, I've, I've got no problem with them being friends and Ben being fierce competitors out on the floor. And then that's it. I, I'm fine with it. Doug says, I think we sometimes forget about Jerry Sloan's underrated humor. His deadpan befuddlement when looking at the stat sheet after the Game 3 debacle in 98 was gold. Quote, is this for the whole game? Yes. He was sending the message to his team right there. He knew that would get run, and he was sending the message, hey, you play, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, but you don't need to get smoked like this. This is unacceptable. Jerry had a way of being funny in his own way, which is actually not that unique. Everyone is, I think most folks are funny in their own right, usually, and Jerry could deadpan with the best of them. I've told this story uh, my wife and I were on the concourse, and we see Jerry, and he says, oh, there's some people I know. He stops and talks to us, and we're right in the concourse. It's before a playoff game or something, I forget, and people are walking by, and a guy comes up to him and says, hey, man, Coach Sloan, yeah, I'm waiting for you to uh, get back on that sideline, and he just talking to us and he and he's taller than most folks so he looks down at the guy and he says, i'm waiting for you to get back on the co- on the sideline and right in mid conversation he stops he says well you're gonna be waiting a hell of a long time then buddy and then can picks up the conversation with us <laughs> and the way he would say stuff and do stuff yeah i found him highly entertaining the one guy that i didn't know was as funny is when i spent some time in mexico with phil johnson my gosh, he had me rolling some of the stories he was telling me and the way he was telling them. He was hilarious, and I hadn't seen that at that level. 
that I saw in Mexico when he's relaxed and he's retired and he's just having a good time. Yeah, he was incredible to be around. I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my association through the years with Jerry Sloan because he's just awesome. I, I, I've said it a million times. I said it last night on television, man. I can't respect the guy any more than I already do. DJ and PK coming up next. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Stay with us.